You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Good morning. Do you ever, <laughs> you ever yawn so much that your eyes start watering? Yes, um, but you shouldn't be yawning because it's a holiday today. It is a holiday. It's 7-Eleven, free Slurpee day. Oh, shit. You're going to make me walk to 7-Eleven, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Although, cool. <laughs> we, I don't know. Not all 7-Eleven locations are participating. But the one down the street from us has in the past. I walked there with you last year, I think. We got you your Coca-Cola Slurpee. Yeah. Is it weird to get a Coca-Cola Slurpee at like 8 in the morning? No. No. Well, I'm not it's going... a holiday. Of course it's not weird. We have to go now while supplies last. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this I'll... episode brought to you by 7-Eleven, even though it's airing <laughs> days from now. Right. But I hope everyone who's listening celebrated. Yeah, I do too. Also, I just want to say that you don't have to worry about supplies lasting because nobody drinks a Coca-Cola. Yes, Slurpees. they do. You are the only human in the entire earth no. existence. <laughs> Would you drink a Pepsi Slurpee? No, I wouldn't drink any Slurpees. Well, okay. Well, that's your own issue. <laughs> People love Slurpees. They do. I don't. I don't really don't know anybody that drinks a Coke one, except you. Well, how, I feel like you like probably r- don't talk about people's Slurpee preferences. I guess. Yeah, better than the Mountain Dew Slurpee. That's really that just sounds that's gross. gnarly as fuck. I just never got on board with Mountain Dew. Like, I was obsessed with Mountain Dew in like grade school, like middle school, what, seventh and eighth grade. They had this thing called MDX, Mountain Dew Extreme. Is that the energy drink? I mean, I, it might have been an energy drink, but it was marketed as like a soda in a soda bottle. And it was called MDX, and I would go to Wawa, because I'm from like South Jersey, South Philly. Joyzy. Right? Yeah. we go to Wawa, get an MDX, I would get a cheese hoagie, LOL, and spicy Doritos. And sometimes watermelon Sour Patch Kids. Like, that was my after school thing. Your tongue. I just I okay, but I what can't if, do it anymore. If, can't do it anymore. Like I feel like meeting someone and if they said their favorite soda is Mountain Dew, I'd be no. like, hmm? I, they'd be officially canceled. <laughs> if your favorite soda is Mountain Dew, please contact us and tell us why. <laughs> I heard. Did you hear the rumor? I don't know if this is true that Mountain Dew like lowers your sperm count. I feel like I must have heard that. Not that it matters because you're constantly regenerating. Yeah, men don't have to worry about that stuff. But ladies have a limited I guess if you supply. don't want to get someone pregnant, then drink a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> like, what birth control do you use? Oh, <laughs> I just drink a lot of Mountain Dew. I hate it. Um, yeah. So anyways, this, this episode brought to you by Mountain Dew. <laughs> anyway, good morning. We are the Good Evening Girls. I'm Grace. I'm Chelsea. And this is our crossword podcast. Two girls, one crossword. We're just saying it. Because you never like, know. Yeah, but it's, we say it in the intro. Is it too much to no, say it? No, this might be somebody's first podcast. Yeah, but they've tuning already... tuning in. Okay, whatever. Maybe they accidentally <laughs> got clicked. Who knows? We don't know how they found us. Well, welcome. Welcome However to you did find us. Hello. Um, also, follow us on everything. Twitter, Good Eve Girls. The Good Eve Girls on Twitter Sorry. and The Good Evening Girls on Instagram. And then follow our personal... My personal Twitter, especially, I only have like 15 followers, yeah. and basically Twitter, I just interact with myself on my two accounts. I on interact there. with you, you and yeah. you're so fun to interact with. I feel but. like my Twitter's pretty good, but no one's following me. <laughs> I have a couple, fo- I mean, I'm very thankful for my 15 followers, but I would like She's more. doing really well, considering she, she started the Twitter game relatively late in life. Yeah, I feel like if I had started back in the day, when people were still you getting... You would still have 100 followers of people who had Twitters in high school, but don't use their Twitters anymore, like yeah. I do. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, well. Oh, well. Starting from scratch. Starting from scratch. We're starting anew, as they say. So, Do you want to get into our hits and shits of the week? Yes. Do we have any corrections corners? I know I have one this week. Um, I feel like I'm the only one who ever has corrections corners. You know what? I don't make mistakes. No, just 
<laughs> I make plenty of mistakes, but I don't bother to correct them. Um, corrections Corner, last episode, I called Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, Elizabeth Caddy Staten for like a majority of the episode. And then it, I realized at the end of the episode, I was like, holy shit, like what's her actual name? This is like a woman's suffrage person. I remember. From NASA. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it's Stanton. Her last name is Stanton, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton. That's my only corrections corner this week, so bite me. With love. <laughs> okay. Hits <laughs> um, and shits? Yes. All right. I, you go. Well, I only have one I have one hit and then a shit to discuss, maybe. Okay. But I don't I feel like I can't well, we'll get there. First okay. of all, my hit this was just a little clue that I thought was cute and that I liked. It was from um, the New York Times. This was yesterday. Thursday. What day Wednesday. is it? This Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday, New York Times. Um, it was 55 down, nowhere near the target in children's guessing game. And the answer was cold. Like, I like that Hot one and too. cold. Yeah. I just thought it was cute. I had never seen it before, so. Yeah. Anyways, that's me. The shits, I looked at the Sunday one with the weird chest thing. Yes. Okay, so I, that was in my shits too. So that's Sunday, that's 7th um, by Jack Reuter. Reuter. I don't know how to say his last name, their last name. Um, the theme, okay, so, like, I'm just going to read the theme out to you. You know how sometimes they put, like, that little, yeah. like, this is how you do the freaking puzzle. Okay, the theme was, quote, the center of this puzzle puzzle represents... <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the center of this puzzle represents a 70D, 55D, in which you can achieve a 122A by moving the 25A. Huh? Okay, so the answers were 70D was chess, 55D was board, 122A was checkmate in one, and 25A was knight to be eight. So the center of this puzzle represents a chess board in which you can achieve a checkmate in one by moving the knight to be eight. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's definitely different. I don't mm-hmm. totally hate it, except that I think you would need to know. Chess. Chess. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. I have, like, a very limited working knowledge of chess. My brother was, like, a competitive chess player through high school. Mm-hmm. And he played, like, at, st- do they, I think they do states, like, you know, regionals and states and nationals and all that I stuff. I don't know. He did all that. I look like a nerd. <laughs> he did all that. And he's really into chess, and he likes to sit and play chess by himself and, like, whatever. My grandpa used to do that, too. It was right. very cute. Yeah, and, like, great. And, like, my dad and my uncles would Oh, like one of our my favorite memories is I would come home from school and my uncle and my dad would just be sitting and staring silently at a chessboard for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And so like I grew up around chess, so I I know what these terms mean. I haven't played chess for years. I know what they mean, but I don't think I know the uh, grid of a chessboard. Like I don't know right. where a the alphabet is versus numbers. Right. Um, I agree. I don't either. Yeah. I had never. I wasn't taught ch- how to play chess that way. I was taught in like a very like a kid's board and like whatever. Anyway, I guess. The puzzle itself wasn't necessarily bad. I just, I hate like having like when you look onto the chess board, or you look onto the puzzle and it's like, it says 70D, C instructions, 55D, C instructions. And I'm yeah. just like, enough, enough. It's Sunday, for Christ's sake. I don't know anything about chess, you know, whatever. I mean, otherwise it was fine, but that was, I wouldn't say it was a shit necessarily, but just no. interesting to talk about. Yeah. Um, I feel like in general people didn't like it though. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, I think the like the consensus that I saw on Twitter was that it was like a shrug, like why? Yeah, I don't know though. I mean, I feel like people should do different things. They should, yeah. So we shouldn't shut down when someone tries to do a puzzle in a puzzle. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, puzzles and puzzles are fun. I don't know. 
I wonder if they've ever done like a crossword type of theme mm-hmm. where answers go diagonally. Could they? No, they couldn't. Crossword theme? Uh, I mean, word search, like in a crossword. Oh, interesting. But you couldn't really go diagonally just because of... Yes, you can. I've seen them do that with like, you know, when they like put the black boxes around. Yeah. Boxes and it's like spells words that way. Anyway. Um, well, there's a suggestion for you. Yeah. all you constructors listening. Yeah. And if anybody knows of any of those other puzzles that Grace is looking at, let us know. Um, I have a couple more hits and shits. Okay. So there were two Lemony Snicket clues this week, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I saw those. Okay. So I didn't do those puzzles, so I didn't feel like I could talk about them, but I yeah. like was looking over them. Thursday, New York Times, one down was count in Lemony Snicket's books. Was just count a lot. Yes, exactly. Down. 35 down, Lemony who writes a series of unfortunate events. Wait, those were in the same puzzle? No, sorry. Oh, okay. 35 <laughs> Down was from Natan last um, Monday New Yorker puzzle. Isn't it kind of weird how sometimes the puzzles have, like yes. the New Yorker and uh, New York Times will have very similar clues. Like they had on pot the same week. both. So, so it was um, it was um, New York Times and Palo Pasco, I think, yeah. had on pot. But like, yes, I've noticed this too. Like, And it's such specific clues too. It's not like they're both using Epi or something. Or, yeah. Or Oreo. Oreo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems like these very specific So trivias. what's the deal with that? Conspiracy theory? Can <gasps> someone let us know? Please. Do you guys all have like a meeting and you're like, we should use the Lemony Snicket? Yeah. How does that work? Let us know at The Good Eve Girls on Twitter. XOXO. Or leave a review for our podcast. Yeah, Explain that'd be great. <laughs> After you tell us if Mountain Dew is your favorite. Yeah. Um, I have another shit. This is not like a... I don't necessarily, I didn't, not that I didn't like this clue, but it was depressing to me. So on Thursdays, uh, New York Times, it was 49 down silo filler in brief. And when I think silo, I immediately think of like on a farm. Yeah. But the answer was ICBM, so intercontinental ballistic missile, which was depressing. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that. Matt got that. Like, filled that answer in. And I was like, what is that? And he had to tell me. And I was like, oh, that's so depressing. Yeah. Anyway, so... Welcome to our world. Um, and then two other ones from Monday, July 8th, constructed by Ned White. 5A, chatting online in brief was oh. IMing. Nobody IMs anymore. So that was just like, it just felt like very... They could have had a diff. I don't mind it as the answer. It could have had a different clue. Exactly. Like, the clue should have been written differently. Like referencing the early 2000s or something. Exactly. AOL, instant messenger or something. And then 41 across from that same puzzle was the Beach Boys or Backstreet Boys. And the answer was pop group, which is not wrong. But, like, like boy, I, band. boy band immediately yeah. comes. And they were trying to fit it within the, the theme, like the P&G theme, I think, from. But I was just like, nobody would ever call. I mean, they well, would, but, like. I read online people were saying, like, well, the Beach Boys were around before boy bands were a thing. So they're not. Yeah. Te- even though, like, I guess, like, yeah. technically they are a band of boys. They're not what in the era of boy bands. Sure, and I think maybe because we're millennials, like, our minds immediately go, oh, they're all guys all in a band. It's a boy band because we grew up in the era of boy bands. So, I don't know. Not that I'm, like, saying that's a shit necessarily, but it was just, like... Interesting. It's just different how we all think about different things because of our ages, you know? Wow. Can you believe? (laughs) You heard it here first, guys. (laughs) We all think different things because of our ages. (laughs) Hot take. (laughs) Should we get into it? Let's do the coin flip. We're going to do the, the coin flip and flipping. Flipping, flipping. I feel like it doesn't... Oh, tails. Tails. Okay. Grace going first again. Before I start, I have to ask you, is your topic um, like depressing or is it lighthearted? It's lighthearted. Okay, good. Because mine's kind of depressing. Great. <laughs> this once. is interesting because Grace doesn't I know, usually, usually pick the depressing topics. I, I, I was going to pick something a little bit more like... 
on my sphere of interest yeah. and then Nicole was like can you try to do something a little out of the box and I was like okay <laughs> well I was thinking the same thing cool although well this isn't totally out of the box for me um okay I'm just gonna start so the this is from the New Yorker Monday July 8th by Natan last Natan I think Natan yeah okay it's N-A-T-A-N last L-A-S-T you can follow him on Twitter um it was 33 across like many Central Americans fleeing gang violence for the U.S. And the answer is asylum seekers. I love this quote. Yeah. For the record, disclaimer, I am not like an expert on immigration. And this is obviously a gigantic topic. So I'm just going to like just touch on it. You know, just the tip. This is not. (laughs) Just a dip. There are way more knowledgeable people. um, Natan. Sorry, Natan. 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 Being one of them. Uh, On his Twitter bio, it says he's a refugee advocate. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, there are other – don't, don't like, take my word for everything. Um, but I will talk about this. The reason why I picked this was because a couple months ago, my mom started volunteering for a group that um, helps asylum seekers, and I'll get more into that later. But when she told me about this, I, like, didn't really know the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee. Mm-hmm. And – so I like learned about it, and I think maybe other people might not know the difference, or it might not know the full, the scope. Yeah, the full scope. So I was wondering if you were going to pick this topic. Yes, because it seems very relevant to your life right now. Well, not your life necessarily, but things that like that your mom, for instance. Like yeah, volunteering. Um. Okay. Hold on. Let me pull up my notes. Okay. So. Wasting time till my notes load. Okay, so a lot of the information that I got from this was from The Week, which is a news magazine in the U.S. and U.K. and Australia. You go to theweek.com and also theimmigrationforum.org. Um, okay, so um, in the I'm going to talk mostly about asylum seeking in the United States. Okay, I was just about to ask. Yeah, you, just so because scary. it is like obviously around the world, but I'm talking about just the U.S. because that's kind of what the clue was about. It was like Central American asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. So um, in the early 19th century, which is the 1800s, (laughs) (laughs) as we've discussed, um, people who were like fleeing violence and people who were just immigrating, uh, just like economic immigrants is what they call them, or economic migrants is what they call them. Um, Everyone was just considered the same, like everyone coming to the States, they were all treated the same. Um, They were all just considered immigrants. There was uh, no federal immigration restrictions until 1875 with the Page Act, which banned um, convicted criminals from coming, and then the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 when Congress banned imported Chinese workers. Um, So that's when things start to get messed up. Dicey. Yeah. Um, And then in the 1920s, there were a lot of really strict quotas on who could enter the United States. They were mainly aimed at uh, Jewish people, um, also Catholic immigrants from Eastern and Southern European countries. And this quota system stopped hundreds of thousands of Jews and other Europeans trying to flee Nazi persecution from coming to America. So in 1939, the US granted visas to just around 27,000 people from Germany and Austria, with 300,000 people left on the waiting list. So 27,000 out of 300,000. Wow. That same year, a German ocean liner called the St. Louis was carrying 937 mostly Jewish refugees. They asked for permission to land in Florida. The Roosevelt administration refused, and about the quarter of the ship's passengers would later die in the Holocaust. 
So I'm just yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes this is very depressing. Um, okay, so then uh, the unite. This was in 1948. There were uh, 400,000 European refugees um, that were displaced over four years. This was called the Displaced Persons Act. Um, the United Nations recognized the right of refugees to seek asylum in other countries. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in 1951, the United Nations defined a refugee as anyone who cannot return to his or her home country owing to well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group, or political opinion. So that's like when the term refugee was first okay. defined. Yeah. And it's been kind of interesting throughout the years, like people are arguing, it's kind of a gray area, membership of a particular social group. Um, I know like LGBTQ people have uh, argued that they are a refugee because they fall into sure. that category because they're mm-hmm. being persecuted for being part of a social group. Right. Um, Got it. Yeah. Uh, okay, but this is one of those things, like we talked about last week, how it's the 100-year anniversary of the suffragette movement. Mm-hmm. So in 1951, the UN defined what a refugee meant, but this only applied to people who um, had been affected from the events in Europe because cool. of World War II. So yeah. this was not like a worldwide thing. Yeah. It wasn't, so that was in 1951. In 1967, almost 20 years later, the UN changed it so it included everyone. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's looking at me and I'm like, I don't got any words. So I'm just like wide eyed and getting red and angry over here. (laughs) This is something I'm really passionate about. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the U.S. did not agree to the original 1951, um, uh, the U.N.'s like whatever declaration saying that we need to um, house refugees. Um, The U.S. didn't agree to it because at that time, people really did not want immigrants in the U.S., shockingly. But it was like a huge majority of the population mm-hmm. was like, no, it was after World War II, people were like freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Truman administration really wanted to like raise the quotas and stuff, but general opinion wasn't into it. So they didn't sign on until 1967. Then they like agreed with the UN's refugee protocol. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until um, 1980 that the U.S. made their own Refugee Act okay. of 1980. And that's what we still use today. Um, Okay, so the difference between a refugee and an asylum seeker is that a refugee will apply to be a refugee or apply for refugee status outside of the United States, either like in their home country or maybe they flee somewhere else and then apply for Mm -hmm. refugee status and then they get approved and then they're allowed to come into the United States as a refugee. An asylum seeker, you can only do that once you're in the country. So like, you come to the U.S. and then you apply for asylum. You still are a refugee, though. Like, all asylum seekers are refugees, but not all refugees are asylum seekers. Got it. Does that yep. make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And usually these asylum seekers are fleeing for similar reasons that refugees have either fled and applied for a refugee status or are applying for refugee yeah, status. Yeah, they all have to prove that they meet the criteria that the U.N. set, that they're being, they can't go back to their home country because they're being persecuted for race, religion, nationality, membership of a social group, or political opinion. Okay. Um, okay. So in the, in the 1960s, when, when the U.S. first signed down with the U.N., a lot of asylum seekers um, were 
fleeing communist countries. Okay. That was like huge at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, asylum seekers from U.S.-backed right-wing regimes were often reje- rejected as refugees. They were considered oh. economic migrants. So, for example, in Haiti, 23,000 people were trying to flee Jean-Claude Duvalier's regime. Out of 23,000, only eight were granted asylum. And I'm not sure what these eight proved that they were able to uh, get asylum. But, yeah, that's because the U.S. had their hands in that government. So they were like, what? It was kind of like the U.S. can't grant these people asylum because then they are admitting that they are involved with a government that's correct. Yeah, like right. repressing people. Um, one million Central Americans were fleeing civil wars in the region. Only 3% of the Guatemalan Salvadorians were granted asylum. Guatemalans and Salvadorians, sorry, were granted asylum. 3% of them. This compares to 40% of, of Afghans fleeing the Soviet invasion and 100% of people fleeing Cuba. Because those were communist uh, governments that were being supported by Russia. And the U.S. was like, well, we don't like Russia. We don't like communism. So, yeah, you guys all... Right. Yep. Not, not saying that they shouldn't all get approved, but it kind of shows the difference that, I mean, it's it's like very arbitrary. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about um, Cubans because my mom is a Cuban refugee, if you didn't know. Um, she is came, she a refugee or was she an asylum seeker? No, refugee. Okay. So in the 60s, that's when after Castro came into power, my mom and her family um, went to or went to Spain, and then it was from there that they applied to be refugees. I see. I did know this, yes. Yeah. Um, and then they came to the States that way. Uh, okay, but it, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about Cuban people and Cuban immigration because you'll see. So in the 1980s, all or up until the 1980s, all Cubans were welcomed into the United States as political refugees. In the 1990s, um, they enacted the wet foot, dry foot policy, which is very literal. Um, It means Cubans who reached the U.S. soil were granted refugee status. So if they got one foot on dry land, they were they they couldn't get deported back. That is just it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such. (sighs) So the wet foot, dry foot was in place until 2017. It's very recent. Yeah. But um, dangerous. And like. Yeah. Well, the the. What I find very interesting about this is, like, obviously Cuban immigrants are given privileges that other Latin American immigrants aren't. And there's a big divide between Cuban immigrants and other, like, uh, Central American immigrants. And that is why you will see a lot of Cuban people being Republican, like, especially the older generation. Not Mm -hmm. so much the younger generation, but, like, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, they're all Cuban. Mm -hmm. And I just find it interesting how if you give a certain group of people privileges based on nothing— they will just think that they're better than, that they've somehow like earned that and they're better than um, other people who are the exact same as they are. Yeah. So just thought that was interesting. <laughs> Funny how that works out. Hot takes yeah. from Grace Tavinka. <laughs> um, okay. So in 2017, Obama was like, no, we want to, Obama wanted to um, lift the embargo between Cuba and mm-hmm. the States. But he said in order to do this, we have to change like the, these wet foot, dry foot policies. Like we, we have to treat Cuban immigrants the same as everyone else. So he did. That was in 2017. So things are going to change now. We're, we're more on like level playing fields. Um, however, uh, there's still a policy that grants roughly 20,000 visas to Cubans annually, which is a large number um, for an island of 11 million people. Yeah. And this is more than still more than other like Central American countries. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, <clears throat> so I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. 
So, and by the way, there was um, further legislation that eventually allowed more Haitian and Central American migrants to apply for permanent residence um, because of the big disparity between some other countries and like Cuba or um, other like communist countries. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, How does it work now? So under the U.S. and international law, anyone who steps on U.S. soil is entitled to apply for asylum. They must pass a credible fear interview. And and if immigration agents determine there's significant possibility um, applicants can prove that they face persecution or harm in their home country, their case is referred to immigration court for a final decision. So there's two different ways you can seek asylum. There's the affirmative process, which is like you do it on your own. Either you come to the States and you have like a year to apply for it or you do it at the border. And then there's the defensive process where um, if you're already in the States and then you get apprehended by ICE and they want to deport you, you can then defensively apply for asylum status. Um, In 2018, 89% of asylum seekers passed the initial screening. But after the Trump administration uh, started making much stricter rules, only 17% cases passed the initial screening. Um, The Trump administration maintains that most of Central American migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. do not count as refugees because uh, they're fleeing private violence, quote unquote. This is from former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Um, He counts private violence as being gangs and domestic abuse, and they don't qualify for protection. However, um, people argue that gangs in the Northern Triangle countries, Northern Triangle countries are El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, um, those gangs are highly organized. They have more power than the government, and it's kind of hard to tell where government stops and gang starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same as, like, as gangs here, which that's a whole other topic. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of what Trump administration is arguing. Like, well— they're not really facing, like, political repression. It's just, like, their own personal issues, basically, right, yeah. <laughs> what they're saying, which is bullshit. Um, okay, so why are they being detained? Obviously, we've seen, like, the pictures of kids in cages and people mm-hmm. in those aluminum blankets. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1996, the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act, the IIRIRA, which is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> just a little bit of yeah. a mouthful. requires that all individuals seeking asylum at ports of entry should be detained. And they are supposed to be detained even after officials confirm their claims as credible unless the officials decide that they're unlikely to to flee and do not pose a safety threat. Um, They they also have to pay a bail, which they often cannot afford. And if released, they are monitored by GPS ankle bracelets. However, data shows that 96% of asylum applicants show up to all of their immigration court hearings. So this is like way overkill because Mm -hmm. it's not an issue. Um, okay, so under prior administrations, immigration authorities regularly released the migrants from custody while their cases were pending in the immigration court system. So the law says that you have to detain them unless you don't think that they pose any safety threat or threat of fleeing. Mm-hmm. So before they used to be like, yeah, you don't have to stay here. Like, you're fine. Just go to your immigration hearings, whatever. But um, Trump wants them to detain as many people as possible. Uh, yeah. I'm just breathing heavily mm -hmm. over here. So where do you think that most, the country that most asylum seekers come from? On the southern border? No. China. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which I find is interesting because we're like given this narrative that all these immigrants are coming in from mostly Central America and 
I'm not going to repeat what Trump has said about them, but it's like it's just fear mongering and it's mm-hmm. not even factual. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm not saying that Chinese immigrants don't also have their own struggles and like prejudices, um, but it's like. Yeah. Right. It's it's fear mongering. It's f- like feeding like a narrative to like incite fear and hatred of other different types of people. Yeah. Based on racism. Again, not that Chinese people don't have their own like don't have their own racism, but it's different, I think, than. Right. Central American. Yeah, I mean, like the issue right now is like the camps on the the border right yeah. now, separating children from their parents and like children dying in these. Yeah, camps cages. And, yeah, yeah, cages. Yeah, and separating people, and um, I think like they're trying to torture people so that people turn back. They're like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't worth it. Right. Um, okay, so this is just some facts. Asylum seekers can legally work and they can apply to be a permanent resident after a year once they're granted asylum. And then they have to wait four years to apply for citizenship. And then, you know, once you apply for citizenship, it can take like 20, 30 years to become a citizen. So for all those people who are like, why don't you just do it the right way? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not that easy. Right. And I, I read somewhere that like the uh, border, they can only process like 100 people a day. And how many, it's just, the whole system is all messed up. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, my uh, mom is a Cuban refugee. She had a different immigration story. It was not as as difficult for her. But she now volunteers for a group called Mariposas Collective. That means butterflies. And this is in Memphis, if anyone is in the Memphis area. Um, But there's groups like this all over the country. And basically what they do is they go to, so once an asylum seeker is granted asylum and they're allowed to leave the detention centers, they get sent on Greyhound buses to their sponsors, which could be anywhere in the country. A lot of times they're up north. Um, so they get a bunch of Greyhound tickets and they're sent on their way and they have no, no food. They have like a bag maybe of clothes and some other stuff. It's usually one parent and a kid. And um, they get sent on these buses. They're giving these very like convoluted packet of tickets. Like could you imagine being in another country and having to somehow – like find your way around the Greyhound station. They just like throw yeah. you on a bus and it's like good luck and you're like uh. basically. And but, also like the United States is freaking massive. Yeah. To travel from where these asylum seekers are in where's it like Texas and things like that. Yeah. Over to like Memphis and then up to yeah they're a lot of them are going to like New York, yeah. Chicago, Michigan. Um, so this group uh, like collects. Um, sweaters and clothing and food and stuff and toys for the kids and then meets them at the Greyhound station and is like, hey, like we're with a volunteer. I told my mom used to like go up to these people and be like, are you guys asylum seekers in Spanish? (laughs) Of course. And I'm like, mom, you needed like you can't because they're all like, "Uh, no, like you're freaking them out. You need to be like, hey, we're a volunteer group. We are not with the government. Like, yeah, we're here to help. So she has said that she has since done that and she thinks she's getting a better response from people. So that's good. um, That's good. Yes, she has a couple stories. Um, One, I'll start with the sadder stories first, I guess. So uh, she's emailed me this. On Tuesday, a lady told me that they make the adults roll up those crappy mats and aluminum blankets by 3 a.m. Not sure why. She said they didn't do it to her 14-year-old daughter who was in a different quote-unquote cage, and they told the woman they could let the younger kids continue sleeping. But the adults were forced to wake up at 3 a.m. and pick up their beds. I just, yeah, yeah, no. The also, stories there are horrible. Also, she says a lot of um, parents say that their ki- like, if your kid is older than 10, they're separated from you and they're put in cages, but they're all like, well, at least it's a cage so we can see, I can still see them like from across the room or whatever and make eye contact with them, which is like, it just, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot I, to unpack. Yeah. Um, 
This same woman told my mom that they paid someone in the drug cartel to escort them through Mexico. Um, the cartel gives a cut, or they pay the cartel. The cartel gives a cut to the police in Mexico to let them pass through. So that just goes to show, like, how intertwined, yes. like, the gang violence and, and the drugs, uh, what's it, or the cartels are, like, with the police and the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somewhere in there, they also paid a so-called coyote, who I assume is in cahoots with the cartel and police. Yes, the coyotes are people who, like, take people across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has some nicer stories. So when uh, a lot of these people are going up to northern states and obviously being from Central America, they don't have winter coats and stuff. Yeah. And like being from Florida, I can attest that you don't truly understand like coldness and the importance of like coats and hats <laughs> until you move to a place that's cold. Because it's, yeah. you, there's no, you can't like, unless yeah. you have experienced it, it's hard to imagine it. So they, they, um, like get a lot of coats to give to these people who are going up north and they had a a big group um one time and my mom was like well some people like it's january you guys are all going to need coats but some people are going to like chicago minnesota are going to need the nicer coats like we don't have enough like super nice coats for everyone and she said then this whole group of people they're like okay well chicago here you take the mittens and minnesota like takes a scarf so they're all very and, and i went with her once i mean not to like sensationalize this or anything, but they're just normal people who mm-hmm. are very humble and like very grateful. They're not what the government or what Trump is like trying to paint them yeah, to be no. at all. These people are like f- literally fleeing like massacres yeah. in their home countries. And they wouldn't crossing do it unless, multiple, multiple yeah. countries, knowing that when they arrive to the United States border, this is going to happen to them and they still decide to do it because it's better than what's happening to them in their home country. And it's like how people can sit there and be like, yeah, spewing back what Trump says about these people. I just, I get yeah, worked no. up. Yeah, no, and they're normal <laughs> so people. They're, like, family people. They have their kids. Their kids are, like, totally, uh, you know, they're excited to see toys. They're playing with each other. Yeah. They're looking at, play- like, they're just regular people. Regular are, old folks. Yeah, just like everyone else. They were just born in a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to end on this note. Um, this is an excerpt from a Vice article, which I know, Vice, but whatever, this is a good article, um, written by Cole Kasdan. It's called, The Violence Central American Migrants Are Fleeing Was Stoked by the U.S. This is the point I want to drive home because I feel like this is important. Basically, the article talks about how a lot of the violence and stuff in the in Central America was created by the U.S. So Hashtag facts. Yeah. So this is a quote. When in the late 70s, the Nicaraguan resistance group called the Sandinistas overthrew the country's dictatorship that had been in power for over 40 years, the U.S. opposed the revolution, backed the dictatorship, and later supported the rebel group known as the Contras. In El Salvador, the U.S. gave billions to the government to fight the socialist Farbundo Martin National Liberation Front and used Honduras as a base to hold military exercises. Um, this is a quote from... Chochito Sanchez of the Central American Resource Center in L.A. He said, under the umbrella of the Cold War, the U.S. amplified its presence in the region, especially El Salvador, in order to defeat the guerrillas of the Farbundo Martin National Liberation Front. The United States is complicit in creating the rampant and bloody gang violence, dire poverty and displacement and migration from El Salvador. And this is just one country like yeah, it, it i mean nixon's war on drugs changed the whole way like the cartel worked and stuff in central america so it's kind of like the eric andre meme where he shoots hannibal in the chest <laughs> and then he's like why are you like this <laughs> it's kind of like we go in and like fuck everything up and then they want to come here because we've like messed up their countries yeah and then we're and like but uh we're excuse like, you. Uh, why don't you just stay in your own country <laughs> it's like right. yeah it's like huh yeah it's stupid yeah you just yeah no. Anyways, so that's asylum seekers for you. 
That was a great topic. Thank you yeah. for sharing. That's all, folks. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> now I'm all worked up. I got to talk about my damn topic. Wait until you hear what it is. Oh, I hope it's something nice and lighthearted. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a topic. It's not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So my topic this week is Cetus, spelled C-E-T-U-S. And it's from the Thursday, July 4th, New York Times by Jim Hilger. And the clue is 22 down, whale constellation. The answer is Cetus. C-E-T-U-S. I do want to note that there was another Greek mythology answer in the Thursday puzzle. It was 46 down, southernmost active volcano on Earth. And the answer is Erebus, Erebus, which is like, um, obviously the volcano is not like Greek mythology. But it's I was named, like, wait, is that volcano not real? <laughs> but it's named after Erebus, who is um, one of like the first gods in Greek mythology that born out of what they call the primeval void of chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's he is a personification of deep darkness and shadow, and his brothers are um, Gaia, which is Earth, Tartarus, Tartarus, Underworld, Eros, Love, Nyx, and Night. Um, he is brother to these people. And Nyx and Erebus ended up having like a ton of kids together. Wait, Nyx is a I thought Nyx was a guy's name. Sorry, Nyx is a woman. <laughs> N-Y-X, Knight, Nyx, okay. Erebus, and Nyx. Ew, but they're siblings. They had kids together. Yeah, welcome to Greek mythology. It's going to get wild, y'all. <laughs> I thought this was like an uh, astrology thing. Um, no, I almost did astrology, but I feel like I just, I'm just i not at that point yet. I'm not ready. I think when we get the right clue, we'll know. Yeah, then, we'll, then buckle up for that because we're very into astrology. <laughs> Any constructors out there want to put some astrology in and we'll... Uh, Sometimes you see signs. Yeah. You see Leo a lot. Leo. Good, we saw good Libra. There was actually one from the last week where the answer was horoscope. Well, there's one where the answer is Libra that we put in our hits. Yeah, but we didn't. We we should have taken that we one. Should have. It was a good. It was a good one. All, All right. right. So wait for it. What is Cetus? Cetus is a constellation named after a sea monster from Greek mythology. Though today, usually it's called quote the whale. Huh? Yeah. So the like whale it, is the name of a is the monster? constellation. Oh, okay. Uh, the name of the constellation. So like, if you're like with someone who studies. Astronomy and As like, I let's often go. Am. <laughs> let's go find a whale, the whale. Excuse me. Then you can like look up into the night sky and see like the whale. Wow, it sounds romantic. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's in the region of the sky, often referred to as the water, which contains other water-related constellations like Aquarius, Pisces, and Eridanus. So Eridanus is just like a river. Cute. Um, but Aquarius is my astrological sign. <laughs> for inquiring minds. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's where Cetus can be found. Um, and it was cataloged by the Greek astronomer Ptolemy. Ptolemy? Sorry. The Greek astronomer Ptolemy in the second century. And although Cetus is not generally considered a part of the zodiac, um, the ecliptic passes through a quarter of a degree from its constellation boundary, and thus the moon, planets, and even part of the sun may be in Cetus for brief periods of a time. So you're saying it could, it's like the lost zodiac sign. The lost zodiac sign, yeah. What's the date that the... <clears throat> I don't actually have that date. Okay. I'm sorry. Is it... Okay, well, someone look it up. <laughs> someone look it up. You might. Well, th- there is all that stuff that sometimes goes every like couple years. That, like someone tries to reinvent the zodiac, and they're like, no. "There's a th- there's another one," and like yeah. all the dates change. And I was like, "Listen, hun, this is." <laughs> I've already lived my life thinking I'm a Virgo. I'm not changing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Cetus is made up of 14 stars and contains one messier object. Messier 77. What's a messier object? In case you don't know, an object that is not as neat. 
That's interesting that you should say that because a Messier object is, is a set of 110 astronomical objects cataloged by astronomer Charles Messier, or Messier, he's French. Um, he was only interested in comets. So he made a list Classic. of so he made a list of all the things that he found during his search that were not comets, like the <laughs> ultimate petty, and yeah. those are like the messier objects. <laughs> He's like not comets, <laughs> not good enough for me. Um, and so these objects could be, but are not limited to, open clusters, globular clusters, diffuse nebulae, planetary nebulae, supernova remnants, and galaxies. Messier seventy seven, which is part of. See this our constellation here is technically a barred spiral galaxy. Ooh, I don't so know. Someone could live there. Yes, that's true. I don't know anything about the 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 night sky. Or you know nothing about the night sky. I know some stuff about astronomy, but my brother is in school for. Sorry, there's like a robot invasion uh, happening outside of our studio. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I have no idea. It sounded like, <laughs> but not like. No, not, it was like, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop. Yeah, like if R2D2 was like down the road. I think and, it was the handy guy's uh, <laughs> cell phone. Oh, okay. It was We're usually time. like alone here yeah. this early, but there's some guy out there. <laughs> <laughs> some guy. And he's being abducted by aliens. Yeah, Anyways, carry fine. on. <laughs> um, my brother is in school for astrophysics, or maybe he's just doing astronomy now. I can't remember. But either way, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sorry, he's... this is like the bachelor. Oh yeah, that's been going around where it's. I think it's the Australian Bachelor where yeah. the Bachelor, it's like in the first episode when all the girls are meeting him, and she's like, "So what do you do?" And he's like, "I'm an astrophysicist." She's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a Gemini or something." <laughs> and he's like, "Cool." No, I'm a, yeah, he he says like, "I'm a whatever." Yeah, um, which is just fun. <laughs> me, but yeah. So anyway, my brother knows all about this stuff, and I hope he's listening and can send me some corrections corners. But like, I don't really know that much, so, so I'm you just want gonna, corrections corners. I do like to know you get off on being corrected. No, I hate being corrected, but I do like being right. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to be talking about like all the science stuff for like a little bit, and then I'm going to get into the mythology of like Cetus, the sea monster. So, like, bear with me. Bear with me. We just talked about the messier object, which is a galaxy. Okay, back to Cetus. The brightest star in Cetus is called Danab Kaitos or Beta Seti. Okay. (laughs) Beta Seti. I don't know. Um, there are three meteor showers associated with Cetus. There's the October Cetids, which I couldn't find any information on. The Eta Cetids, Cetids also known as the Omega Cetids, which um, happens between May 5th and June 9th in the Southern Hemisphere. And then there's the Omicron Cetids, which happens between May 7th and June 7th, June 9th in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you're in the Southern Hemisphere during those dates, you keep can, your eyes out. You can find these <laughs> meteor showers. I don't. Have you ever seen a meteor shower? I have. I don't think I have. Yeah. I don't know. There, well, the thing is, is like, I have obviously didn't leave an impression on me. Meteor showers have like peak times. So like they're saying that these meteor showers happen between May 5th and June 9th, but like their peak times are like May 24th and May 27th. So on those two days, like during like a very specific hour window, you might be able to see a couple meteors, you know? Mm. I feel like, I don't know. You, you can't, you'd need to be out in the middle of nowhere, right? We wouldn't be able to see it in Chicago. No, you'd have to be out in the field. We could have to go down to like Starved Rock or something. I'm not going there. <laughs> just kidding I love Star Girl <laughs> <laughs> that reminded me of some meme or something I don't know what that reminded me of but I'm gonna have to <laughs> great <laughs> I love that meme <laughs> shut up alright so there's also some other well known stars within Cetus there's Menker also known as Alpha Ceti 
or Sitai. I don't know what I'm saying. Whatever. <laughs> Stop yelling into the mic, please. Sorry. There's Tau CT and the famous variable star Mira. Also I don't known trust as the Omicron CT. Pronunciations of these terms. <laughs> Cetus is the fourth largest constellation in the sky after Hydra. Virgo, which graces a Virgo, oh, wow. and Ursa Major. I'm the second largest constellation. You are massive. And I'm the largest astrolo- yeah. astrological constellation. Yes. Okay. Wow. That explains so, a lot, people. Yeah. So Beyonce's a Virgo, just throwing that out. Shut up. Okay. So Cetus. <laughs> so is Zendaya. Shut up. <laughs> Cetus occupies an area of 1,231 1, square degrees, which is approximately <laughs> which is approximately 2.985% of the northern sky. Wow. Which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. How do you... Okay. I don't know how Sorry, anybody I'm measures like, this. degree. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you measure space? <laughs> I know. I'm just like, they're, like, telling me all these numbers, and I'm just like... Oh, what? This is why I'm not an astrophysicist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> agreed. It lies in the first quadrant of the southern hemisphere known as SQ1 and can be seen at latitudes between plus 70 degrees and negative 90 degrees. I love those. Me too. <laughs> um, and it belongs to the Perseus family of constellations along with Andromeda. I'm you not even going to say that one. <laughs> Cassiopeia, Cepheus, Lacretta, Pegasus, Perseus, and Triangulum. Mm. Mm. I know Pegasus. Well, I just know that word. Yes. I don't know the constellation. Yeah. So let's talk about the more famous stars. Um, and like here I have written as like there are so many astronomy facts that I couldn't include um, and also knew that my brother would kill me if I talked about them poorly. So, Andrew, if you're out there, let me know. We're going to talk about three of the stars. So Deneb Ketos, also Beta Seti, is the brightest star of the constellation and is approximately 96.3 light years away distant they say okay but i guess guess that means away from us um, it's all about us apparently it's an orange we're not giant. the only people in the universe <laughs> um it's an orange giant um that belongs to the spectral type ko111 or mm-hmm. ko3 um and it has left the main sequence stage of evolution and is now on its way to becoming a red giant wow congratulations yeah it has a surface temperature of 4800 kelvin and it is slightly cooler than the sun. Mm. Yep. Uh, another star is called Menkar, which is Alpha Seti. It's a very old red giant, approximately 249 light years distant. Um, and it will eventually eject its outer layers to form a planetary nebulae, leaving a large white dwarf remnant. All of these words I know. But I don't know what they mean. Yes. If you ask me to draw a picture. Well, I guess I think I could draw a picture of a red giant, right? right. It's just a red circle. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so the star traditional name Menkar comes from the Arabic word for nostril. That's fun. Um, nice. And Alpha Seti is often used in works of science fiction, most notably Star Trek. Oh. Um, it was the planet in which Khan and his crew were exiled. And then in Star Trek Enterprise, it was the planet that provided refuge to humanity after the Zindi destroyed Earth. This brings us back to refugees. Refugees, baby. <laughs> One day we will all be refugees yes. to another planet. Yes. So keep that in mind, yeah. okay? Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mira, or Omicron Seti, is a binary star consisting of a red giant and a companion star. I don't know what that means, but is it two stars that just hang out with each other? It sounds like it. Yeah, a companion star is just a star that's, like, easy to be around. (laughs) (laughs) They're like the hype girl. Yeah. Um, And this system of these two stars is approximately 420 
light years distant. Yeah. Mira, Mira <laughs> A is a red giant um, and is an oscillating variable star. Um, I don't know what any of that means. And, um, yep. Uh, it is the first non-supernova star discovered. S- first non-supernova variable star discovered. And it's believed to be about 6 billion years old. Damn, what's a supernova? Other than the xenon supernova girl. Yeah. Uh, we don't hello. know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. There's only so much deep diving I can do. We said that we we know that we know nothing. Yes. Okay, so the companion star to Mira, Mira B, is a high-temperature white dwarf that is acerating mass from the red giant. Okay. So... Um, I like how the companion stars are just called Mira A and Mira B. Yeah. Like, you could have named them Bonnie and Clyde or something. Yeah, they should Dale. have. They should have. Um, so, I guess, well, they were named a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Still. You're telling me there weren't dynamic duos back in the day? There was. There definitely was. The were. S- so, the star Mira A and were. B were... <laughs> shut up. The stars, Mira A and Mira B, are shedding a trail of material from its outer envelope, and NASA's Galaxy Evolution Explorer Space Telescope has revealed a tail 13 light years in length trailing after the Mira system. Wow, good job, uh, NASA's Galaxy Evolution Explorer Space Space Telescope. Telescope. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay, so Tau Ceti, the last star I'm going to talk about, um, is a cool class G dwarf. It is one of the nearest stars to our solar system, lying only 11.9 light years away. Wow, that's close compared to the others. Yeah, right? <laughs> 11 years? I could do that. <laughs> it has a mass of only about 78% of the sun, that 78% of that of our sun, and it is one of the very few stars less massive than the sun that are nevertheless visible to the naked eye. Its luminosity is equal to only about 55% of the sun's luminosity. So how can we still see it? I don't know. They're saying it's crazy. Nevertheless, visible is what they said. <laughs> wow. This this star really went through it. Yeah, they did. Anyway, so that's all I'm going to say about Tau Ceti. I'm going to get into the Greek mythology. Ooh. One of the things favorite. I love about stars and, like, their names and shit is because it, it all comes back to mythology, which is, like, something I'm a super uber nerd about. Like, Did you read those books? I did. Okay. The ones from... That you would get like the school library. No, 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 no. The I think we might have been too old for it. Oh, Percy Jackson. Yeah. No, I never read them. I feel like my brother read yeah. them. Yeah. Those are about Greek mythology, right? I probably would have liked them. There was a book that I did read um, when I was younger that had like a ton of mythology in them, and, and I only read the first. The book. Bible. Yes, and I only read the first of the series because there's like three: the Bible one, two, and three. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've only read the third Bible. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. I think that's what's, like, started my interest in mythology. And not just, like, Greek mythology, but, like, all mythologies or all mythos. It's fun for me. Mm. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, we all have fun doing different things, people. <laughs> okay. We just need to let other people enjoy what they enjoy. Exactly. And we're going to talk about Cetus in Greek mythology. I'm going to talk to you about what makes Cetus who he is. Not really. Okay. Wait, isn't Cetus a whale? Cetus is, quote, the whale. Okay. But we're about to get into this. Ready? So Queen Cassiopeia of Ethiopia, which is ancient Ethiopia, who was the wife of King Cepheus, she was known to be arrogant and vain. Wait, these people are real, right? It's not these are. This aren't is myth- in mythology. Okay, so these people are still mythological? I don't know. I don't think these people are real. Okay. Well, 
these are I'm already all, attached like, to them. So. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Queen Cassiopeia was super arrogant and vain, and she boasted that her daughter Andromeda was more beautiful than the Nereids, which are sea nymphs. And you can't be more beautiful than a sea nymph. You cannot. Okay? They're very, very beautiful. Anyway, so this really angered Poseidon, who was one of the twelve Olympians and god of the sea, water, earthquakes, and horses. I did not know he was a god of horses. Yeah, because he rides around like horses carry his carriage. Although are they under the water? Are they sea horses? <laughs> we have fun here in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so Poseidon was really pissed off, and he sent the sea monster Cetus to Poseidon a- was positively pissed. <laughs> <laughs> he had sent the sea monster Cetus to attack Ethiopia, and King Cepheus and Queen Cassiopeia consulted an oracle who told them that the only way to stop the attack was to sacrifice Andromeda. Okay. So Thanks she, a lot, Mom. So she was bragging that her daughter's like super hot, and then Poseidon's like, uh, she's not hotter than my nymphs. I'm going to attack you. And the, the mom's like, fine, I'll sacrifice my daughter. It's like, exactly. you started this by saying she's hot, and now yes. you're just going to kill her? Yes. <sighs> Dude, mythology is so random. It's so freaking random. And also, parents really freaking screw up their kids. Am I right? Honestly. <laughs> this is the first example. Anyway, so they chained her to a rock near an ocean. And these aren't real people. No. Okay. And uh, so then Cetus could devour her. Nice. Cool. So luckily, the hero Perseus was passing by just as Cetus was about to devour her, and he rescued the princess and killed Cetus, and then he and Andromeda were later married. Okay. Perseus, you might know from his famous slaying of the Gorgon Medusa. Oh, right. You, everybody knows Medusa, right? So I know like Medusa, I, but I don't know how she died. Right. So everybody, when you hear the term Medusa, you hear, you can see like this, the ugly face and like all the snakes Excuse for hair. Excuse me? Ugly? Yes. Well, not in the statues I've seen. Well, she's, yes. Well, okay. It's just kind of, you didn't have to come after her. like. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the reason I'm bringing this up is like the whole Medusa thing is like, truly bananas because she's like one of the most famous Greek monsters and a woman who could turn men to stone with a single glance, right? Hell yeah. Um, I was looking into this. I was like, I like Googled sexism in the Medusa. <laughs> you would. Myth because I, I just need to read these things. Um, and I found an article on Vice and they, there's an article. <laughs> oh ar- no, we both. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, so there's Vice a- used to be better. Then they started doing all their weird journalism things where they're yeah. like, we're going to do coke for 20 days under a bridge. <laughs> I know. They're fucking dumb. So there's an author in this article, Sybil Bombeck, who argues that the myth has endured. I mean, like, when you say Medusa, people know Lay Medusa. people who don't care about mythology, like myself, know about Medusa. Right. So the myth has endured in part to our growing appetite for grand narratives, but also around um, our fascination with stories about women and like dangerous female seduction and this is the same with things like female vampires right so like the ultimate succubus temptresses women not to be trusted sexual deviants to trick and lure men to do bad things and then eventually like kill or destroy these women like lol men are fucking wild yeah truly so this is like one of those first instances of demonizing women i'm going to tell you a little bit about Medusa's origin story. So according to Ovid, Medusa was once a beautiful young maiden, the only mortal of three sisters known as the Gorgons. Her beauty caught the eye of the sea god Poseidon, who proceeded to rape her in the sacred temple of Athena. Then Athena, who was furious at the desecration of her temple, and therefore transformed Medusa into a monster with the deadly capacity to turn whoever looked upon her face to stone. 
Hmm. Okay. So then Perseus was sent by Polydectes, the king of Seraphos, on a quest to bring back the head of Medusa. Using a reflective bronze shield to protect his eyes, Perseus decapitated Medusa, releasing a winged horse, Pegasus, from her severed neck. After using the petrifying gaze to defeat his enemies in battles, Perseus gave the Gorgon's head to Athena, who was the one who transformed her into the monster to begin with, who then displayed her face on the front of her shield. Cool. All the way, by the way, Perseus is the one who has Pegasus, not Hercules. Oh. Okay, because in the Disney version of Hercules, like, had Pegasus the horse, but it's actually Perseus. Anyway, so Perseus marries Andromeda, and Cetus the sea monster goes on his merry way, and now we have him in the sky. Nice. How do you get in the sky? (laughs) That astronomer found him. What's his name? Messier? No. Yes. What did I say? Did they say it was Messier? Well, Messier found a bunch of the those ocean people, yeah. right? I don't know who... Yeah, he found the Messier objects, which makes up part of the 14 things that make up Cetus. I don't know who actually discovered Cetus. Cool. Yep. Anyway, so well. in other mythology, the Bible has these um, monsters in, like, the Hebrew version of the Bible. It's called. Oh, we actually are talking about the Bible now. <laughs> yeah, called the Tanamin. Um, and the Tanamin were mentioned in the Hebrew books, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Job. The Hebrew version of the Bible. Yeah. You mean the Old Testament? Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. So apparently God created this Tanamin on the fifth day. Apparently. Apparently. And in Hebrew, it's called the Hagadolim Hadaninim. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't <laughs> actually speak Hebrew. You um, don't? And the term is translated into sete gradia in Latin. Um, and then it's translated as great whales in the King James Bible. The Tanum come back in the apocalypse of Isaiah as a beast to be slain on the day of days. And the Tanum uh, is trans. And then this in this book, Tanum, Tanumin is translated as dragon in the King James Version. So it's like dragon whale-ish. They also say that some scholars theorize that Cetus is related to the Kedos images from Central Asia and the Chinese dragon and the Indian Makara. So, what does the Cetus look like? It's commonly depicted as like a hybrid creature, has four feet, huge jaws, and a scaly body like a sea serpent. Um, and even though the constellation is known as the whale, the mythical creature does not, in fact, look like a whale. Well, yeah, it has four feet. Honest, honest to God, it looks like a mermaid T-Rex. An alligator. No, like if you took yeah. a T-Rex with his tiny little arms and his big head uh-huh. and then gave him a mermaid tail. That's the new casting for Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Cetus. Okay. So not a whale at all. No. Other than the fact that it has a tail. Mm-hmm. It's a sea monster. Imagine if whales did have feet, though. No, thank you. It'd be wild. Well, I mean, how do you think, how do you think we got up on the, the shores of the, to begin you, with? You're saying I started as a whale? I'm saying that there was a fish one day that popped up an extra couple of fins and was like, well, let me go take a look. And they were like, So you think in like a million years... Whales will be walking on land. Well, m- whales are basically just dinosaurs anyway, and it's, it, they've been around for millions of years and have not grown feet yet. Dude, whales are creepy. I Did I ever tell you that I follow this thing on Twitter called, like, Whale Facts? Uh, and they talk about how nice whales are? I don't know. I mean, They also say, like, whales would never keep children in cages. 
<laughs> they wouldn't. No, I think whales. I, I'm, whales are not aggressive unless they're going after a seal. Have you seen the orcas with the seal yeah. on the mm-hmm. ice thing? Um, but they're just they're too big. I don't want to be next to one. No, I know. They're bigger than my whole apartment. They're bigger than my apartment building, probably. Did you see? They found, like, a 32-foot great white shark the other day. They were like, Jaws is real. And some guy was taking a video of it. I don't know how, what he was, like, how he was. He was right above the shark. Maybe it was a drone or something. I was like, can you Not move? interested. Like, <laughs> not interested in that at all. Yeah. I'll take I'll take my whales in the sky, please. I'd like to see a whale and shark fight, though. I mean, not really. But there's got to be. Theory, gotta can be, someone like animate what that would look like? There's got to be a movie. Isn't there one that's like shark versus gator? Um, I don't know if it's versus or if they kind of mold together into one animal. If anybody out there watches like those campy horror films, I do. I've seen Sharknado. Sharknado is a good movie. Cool. I mean, for entertainment value, it's not a good film. Are you gonna go see Crawl? No, wait. Someone was telling me about that the other day. What is it? Crawl. It's the it's the um the Gator movie. I don't know. <laughs> There's a Gator in Chicago, by the way. Yeah, there is. Well, it's a yeah. It's alligator. an alligator yeah. in in a lagoon. Yeah. That we have apparently. Yeah. And he's just how did he get in the city? So somebody was he had to be someone's like pet. I think it was like someone's pet got too big and then they. But why would you put him in the city? I don't know. Don't aren't there? Isn't there CCTV on these Chicago parks? Well, isn't someone keeping track of who has pet gators? No, I mean People in Florida, like, obviously not. But here, like, no. Well, I mean, like the the black market for animals is crazy. Why would anyone want a gator as a pet? People are out of their mind. People have like lions and tigers as pets for Christ's sake. Yeah, but lions and tigers are cute. A gator is just like, well, gators are badass. I guess I don't know. I would never have a lion or tiger as a pet because they're cute. I would. If I were to have a pet like that, I would because they were badass. Oh, no. I love those big cats. Anyways, <sighs> we're getting off on a tangent here. We but are. That's it for today. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Now I've found a way to bridge these topics together. <laughs> we already have one. Wasn't there something about refugees? Right. Refugees. Oh, Star Street. Trek. Yeah. yeah. It was Star Trek refugees. Anyway, we worked it through. We'll workshop that yeah, title. We will. You're listening to the Two Girls, One Crossword. <laughs> what are you listening to? <laughs> I'm Grace. I'm Chelsea. And we're the Good Evening Girls. And we'll talk later. Yeah, but definitely follow us oh, at The Good Eve Girls on Twitter and The Good Evening Girls on Instagram. And rate and review our podcast because we need that. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do need that. And we love you. Subscribe, too, because that helps. Yeah. All right. Bye. Au revoir. Bye.